Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name is Dulte Daugherty and in this podcast series, I will be speaking to recruiters, investors and entrepreneurs who are based all over the world and we'll be speaking about how to set up, scale and operate a world-class recruitment company. Backed by popular demand, we have David Ayer on the podcast. This is the second time he's been on. In the first podcast, we discussed his journey and in starting and scaling recruitment companies across Australia and being a managing director of a well-known brand over there. Since that, he's decided to move himself and the family back to London and he's taken up a position as a director for Savant Recruitment. So I want to get into the detail of what it's like to reinvent yourself back in the place where you're from, where it all began, and leaving behind all your clients and contacts and all the work, good work you did in the past and what that feels like and how you can just land somewhere as a senior person and make a success of it all over again. So really uh, excited to get this out. Dave's an insightful, logical and extremely competitive individual and he's really good at what he does. So I hope you all enjoy it. And let me know what you think. Over to Dave. I'd like to say a massive thank you to our sponsors. We're very fortunate to be partnered with Hinterview and with JobAdder. And this came about because we use both products in how we recruit. Um, we've, we've been with JobAdder since we started out, really. It was the first one that we, uh, we found that like, it just suited the way that we work. Their, their sales team was really good. Their support team was good. And then pr- the product has definitely improved over the years. But it's always had that user-friendly quality and it's you know its integrations have been really good and you know it comes at a good price point interview's been a more recent uh, addition to what we do um more and more it's getting harder to get people engaged online because there's so much noise out there and you know it, it there's some things that it does really really well interview we use it to message people and on their intro a bit on LinkedIn and we find our response rate has increased by about 70% since we started using it. People just don't like they're just bored of copy and pasted messages and automation tools and, and that. So if you can spend the time to really tell people why you want to speak to them, it tends to get a better response. Also, you're able to record your candidates and present them to your clients in, in the interview form and I think that is really like a game changer for anybody that's doing international recruitment where there's more trust in terms of you, know, you can't always meet them face to face so you're able to really you know see that they are what they say they are and just get a better feeling for rapport so uh, big really appreciate the relationship we have with uh, both products and we stand by recommending them on the podcast
Welcome to Up Close and Personal with David Ayer. It's been a long time since we've been up close and personal, but uh, thanks for having me. So Dave, this is uh, part two. The last time you were, I spoke to you, you were in Australia, and you were intimating the future kind of held the UK in, in your headlights. What's it like? What's it like coming back with that? What's that transition been like? Yeah, it's um, something I thought would happen, um, but I wasn't sure exactly when. Uh, the transition's been been pretty good. Um, the difficulty I faced was securing a role from Australia. Um, it wasn't a case of options; it was a case of not being able to meet people. And what it's taught me is that it's meeting people is the crux of what we do. Yeah, uh, both personally and with your clientele. So unfortunately, the first opportunity I secured wasn't quite right. Um, uh, yeah, I've been a corporate, um, but it did teach me some valuable things about myself in terms of what I really want to do and, and having now secured this role as Savon. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad back we in the small, bit, yeah, the small business and uh, <laughs> loving life back in the UK. To be I'm glad we didn't uh, record this in your first role. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, loving life back in the UK. A uh, bit of background in case you haven't heard the first podcast. Myself and Dave used to work together in Australia about nine years ago. So our lives were very different. And Dave had a sports car and a bad addiction to fancy shirts. And yes. And generally playing sports, living for yourself, having a great time, making loads of money, doing everything that a lot of young lads be less than this, but just like it's ideal. But you get to a stage in life where that changes. Uh, that's been kids for both of us. We were just discussing that. What's it been like? Uh, what's it been like integrating that back into your life after? After was it tough having the family in Australia when you were when you were waiting over here for them to get here? Oh, very tough. Uh, being away from the family um, is, is difficult, as you know. You know, taking kids away for a week is it's hard. Taking them away for a few months is even tougher. Um, but they're back, and it's been it's been amazing. Um, yeah, interesting history in our relationship, knowing each other as long as we have. Like I say, pre kids, uh, pre wives, um, and, and all the time having to stay in the recruitment industry. Yeah. After that, uh, you do uh, sacrifice uh, yeah. some aspects of, of, of that. Um, but I wouldn't change a thing. And, and that was an interesting point that I talked to Mark your boss about was. He talked about sacrifice in giving the business stuff. For, for us as fathers, we also have to sacrifice a lot to make sure that the family element is is, is running right. How, how do you how do you how do you manage that with your with your own family right now? Yeah, I remember some people like yourself and your wife. You know, you, you've gone out and set up a business and, and you've got that. Not so flexibility to know you work extremely hard. Um, but when you're an employee uh, under an entrepreneur owner, um, you know, you're still expected to, to be corporate and working out. So you do sacrifice a little bit of that home time. Um, but you know, when you find the right bosses, uh, you know, you can fit both in. So yeah, again, um, like anyone in any career, uh, yeah. you know, I've got a great wife who supports me um, and looks after the kids. And I make time for them when I can. But the priority is to keep earning money and yeah. be successful at work to provide everything we want outside. What was it like? Leaving your net network behind again, it's starting again. I've done it a few times. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah, it's um, I don't know why. Just as I start to really kind of penetrate, um, and as much as anything, you talk about network. A lot of people become friends. 
Yeah. So your clients and the people that you work with, um, you know, you associate with them a fair bit. So it's it's been difficult coming out of the UK into Perth, Perth to Sydney and then back. Uh, but what I've found actually is that everywhere you go, people are pretty much you know, the same. Yeah. So it's just a case of forging you know, new openings, new opportunities, and the network here in London's growing. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying that. You've probably chosen the toughest market in the world, yeah. finance accounting in you know more about that in, than me. I don't know. In, in London. Yeah. Well, yeah, like rack to rack in London is probably just as tough yeah. <laughs> to, to a point. But it, you've, you've had good experiences being in boom markets. What does the market feel like in London right now? It, does it feel different? Does your approach have to be different? That's a good question. I, I think yourself on people last week to Perth, I came out the end of the boom, GFC kind of hit, um, went to Sydney when it wasn't you know, necessarily going very well with the FC, you know, the, the financial services market still struggling, and coming back here, but I, I call it a normal market. Um, there are jobs out there, uh, there are job seekers. Um, you know, our job if we're doing it properly is to, is to get the right match. So there's a heck of a lot of competition here, there's a lot of recruitment companies, you know, from large corporates right down to you know, two man or one man bands. Um, and the clients and candidates always struggle to identify which ones to work with. But I still believe if you do your job properly and work hard, that um, in any town, in any city, that you, you can make money. And London's proving there's a lot of opportunity here. People are you know, seemingly quite happy, especially after a nice summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll ask them again in a couple of months, they might be a bit, a bit yeah. disappointed. But uh, no, it's pretty good here. What do you have to do to start again? Like, what does that look like? like so like it's one thing to start again when you're 25. It's another thing when you're closer to 40, and you, you start again, no network. What walk me through what that is when you go meet somebody and then they say, "Why should it be you? You've only just you've only just arrived in this market. What? How does that go?" Yeah, interesting. Different times I've had to build new relationships. I've been at different stages in my career. So certainly tenure and experts or knowledge, if you like, of 18 years of recruitment, now all in finance. Yeah. The credibility is there. Yeah. Um, what I lack in, in, if you like, in geographical knowledge of London, which is you know, a place I've lived Six months, you have it, yeah. Um, you, you can pick it up very quickly, but the industry is fundamentally the same globally. Yeah. Finance roles are fundamentally the same. Um, and I, I just think people still buy people. So um, my title, my years of experience, they do help in getting in front of people. So when I was earlier in my career, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. But um, it hasn't been a challenge thus far. There are always going to be relationships that you're competing against, and that's the biggest challenge. Um, but you just remain patient and keep doing the right thing. You're you're in the senior end of finance. A lot of your your clients are also candidates. How do you go about mixing with? How do you get into those circles as a recruiter? Um, just trying to remember they're normal people with the same challenges every day that you and I have. As we talked about, you know, balancing career with family often. Yeah. Um, you know, for years I used to forget that they were, and I used to, you know, often put clients on a pedestal and yeah. treat job seekers as as, as number. Um, but when you when your audience is one and the same, I think you just focus on getting to know people. You talk to them about where they're at in their career, where they want to go, and then it's a case of when you hear of opportunities just running the passport, so it's a bit more strategic, a bit yeah. more networking based than a volume based role, especially more senior you get, but um, yeah, it's a people business, so just get to know them. Um, however they see fit, be it a networking event or just be a coffee, um, have a chat. When when you look at your business development challenges and your business growing challenges, is your first option to solve that, to meet them face to face? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with technology nowadays, you can solve some of that 
uh, with technology, you know, you can, you can WhatsApp or you can FaceTime people. But the reality is you're going to get um, a much better outcome face-to-face. We, we travelled an hour up to Wellingborough recently to meet a client, and the client you know, didn't thank us enough for doing that. Yeah. Um, when asked, you said some of the local recruiters don't even ask to come and meet. <laughs> so, you know, why would we travel now? But I, I really think that what we took away from that meeting isn't, it's not something that you can get. So, yeah, I always want to meet people. Um, when your product is a human being, I think there's nothing else to, to do. I think, I think I've fallen over the years into the trap that whenever we launched, like we, we were doing it remotely, we kind of felt like maybe we didn't need to. And then through doing the podcast and going and meeting people, and it gives you different perspective, different insights, more control, more credibility. And like now that we're flying around the world to meet them, it, it's been a bit of a game changer. It, uh, it's something that I like. I think, Charlotte, it's been a bit of a, a pill that you've had to swallow in yeah, terms of our process, sure. right? I think uh, we've fallen into the habit definitely of of that remote working and then forgetting how important it is meeting people face to face and you just get things I think as you just said David you just get things that you just don't get necessarily from a phone call or an email or whatsapp just the casual conversations the interactions that's all part about building that rapport and that relationship I just yeah I'm a big believer again of it now I wasn't before now I am (laughs) so a large part of you building your businesses in the past uh, was twofold. One was the stuff that I do, which is destination recruitment. Where you you would pick guys who are in Birmingham or the rain or rain and living in the Manly's house and they're earning thirty grand a year and you say, Hey come to Australia, you've got a hundred grand a year here. Living in an apartment, you know, here's my sports car, you can have this in two years. You you had that whole process done and it worked. What's it like trying to build a business locally? In London, so much competition. Like you've had to change your approach probably a little bit. In essence, what what is what pain point do you go back to? Um, yeah, interesting. I can't. Yeah, you say you can't say it's all the sunshine and the weather. Um, it's not as bad as I remember it. It's not bad. Thirteen years, as you know yourself, you came back not long ago. Say that to me in February. Yeah, yeah. Give us a couple of months. Um. I think you know you can sell the central line and the northern line in London. Uh, they're, not, they're not as bad as people say. Uh, no, they are. But it's about career. Um, you know, we've all we've all sat in businesses which may be large or small, um, work for bosses that may be on you know performing as quickly or as, as, as supportively as you need. Yeah. Some pain points are simply just talking to people and finding out what they want. Um, when I've built teams, when I've attracted people from overseas or interstate, um, or from companies in the same town, it, it's really about can I can the business I'm in help you achieve what you want to achieve. And if you can find the right people and they can achieve what they want, your own career is yeah. you know, it's, it's naturally going to progress at the same time. So you want to look at back at the things I've been able to do, I've only been as good as the people I've managed to secure. Yeah. And it's actually almost been you know, their ambition being aligned with mine has basically reaped the reward. So right now we're looking for people that want to get involved in a four, you know, four and a half year old business. Um, it's got a lot of relationships. Mark's got you know, 30 plus years in the UK. Um, we've got a great team in there and we're ambitious and we've got the funding to grow. So it's a good time to get involved in our business. Um, there's a lot of them out there like, that, that would say the same thing. Um, but you know, we'll find the right people and you'll know immediately if the match is right. So when we get those people, we'll just see if we can have them. Let me jump into that, that career piece, what that means from a perspective of somebody interviewing somebody. I had a statement on LinkedIn the other day, or yesterday, 
that just basically said like most recruitment agencies that we deal with don't know how to leave a candidate feeling great after the interview whether they want them or not like if they click and it's great the candidate goes away oh that was great but if they don't if they don't click the candidate goes away and feels like a piece of dirt and what, what is it that when you interview somebody you're one of the, like uh, you're one of the few people I know that when you interview somebody they go away with a good feeling of business about you and about themselves how do you how do you make that happen in an interview what, what, what like what, I don't it, know um, you're the first person that's told me that that's the first time you told me that I do it well but um, what I try to get from interviewing anyone or meeting anyone uh, you know I, I like to tell people about my experience um, because I think there's a lot of lessons that people can learn from that. Do you structure it in that way? Like, yeah, I think it's, in, you know, it's like, it's like any kind of part of what we do, you talk a little bit about yourself and the company that you're in, yeah. um, allowing them to kind of, if they want to probe a bit further on, on any part of it, um, talk about them, how they went to recruit them and progress through. And very quickly you start to paint a picture of, you know, are, are we uh, a good match? Um, mm. It doesn't matter about the company and, and kind of the background, it's, are we a good match, are we aligned, are the motivations similar? And if they're not, that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah. You know, you can still help people. It's like meeting a, a, a financial director or CFO and not placing them. Yeah. You can still help them. You can yeah. still point them in the right direction. You can still give them some advice and remain a point of contact. So whenever I meet someone that's right, it's pretty obvious. When I meet someone that isn't going to work, you know, for their reason or mine, it doesn't mean you've got to burn a bridge. You, know, yeah. you never know when those parts are cross <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's a small industry globally, especially with technology. So I just don't see the point in upsetting people. It doesn't mean I haven't, but uh, you know, it's nice to So um, you believe that every interaction, they should lead to some form of value? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of the meeting if you're not going to try and learn something or get something from it? Myself included, every time I meet somebody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know something more about a company that I thought I knew everything about. Yeah. I'm going to meet somebody that's done something different. So I try and get out of it what I can. Yeah. And if they can walk away learning a little bit themselves, then it's not bad. Being working at big agencies like we have, do you intrinsically know the pain point to go after? Um, it's, it's actually quite hard to tell because when you look at a CV or when you look at a LinkedIn profile, yeah. you can jump to conclusions that you know that two to three year cycle they should be looking for promotion, sure. etc. But it's not that obvious. Um, they could be billing you know, half a million a year or a hundred grand a year. Yeah. Um, but I've got a, a target audience that I've had success in attracting and then developing, mm-hmm. and I go after that profile. Um, even then, amongst those hundreds of people, it's about finding the, the one to five that, yeah. that fit, and, and that you can't tell until you meet them. So going back to that earlier point, you just have to keep meeting people face to face. Yeah. What are those qualities? Um, you talk about how I've gone and rebuilt my, my career or yeah. my, my networks. You've just got to, I think, optimism. Um, <laughs> I think a certain amount of resilience. Yeah. You know, if you just believe that you do the right things, you'll get the right outcomes. Um, too many people these days are looking for excuses as to why they can't do things. The market's bad or te- you know, the internal teams don't talk. There really are no reasons why a recruitment company can't be successful. There's no reason why I should have achieved what I've achieved in my career. Uh, there's no you know, script qualification list I had to have. I've worked hard, I've been a bit lucky. Um, do, you think it's that, that, do you think it's that relentlessness? Yeah, I think it is. I've been called relentless in the past. Uh, I was actually told by Dara and uh, Tom Birch that that was my biggest strength and my biggest weakness. But um, yeah, I, do, I do think in this industry now, which is quite suffocated, it's very saturated, that if, if you just want to give up, you can. Um, but I think if you can persist through those negatives and challenges, that you can come out on top. Do you? Do you have a way of sourcing out of somebody's face resilience? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's questions that you can ask them. 
over the years, some of the most successful people I've worked for, you know, they, they associate sporting achievements with mm. uh, success, you know, as, a, as an inherent, you know, ingrained DNA. You talk about, you know, useful instruments, the ability to learn. I know historically people used to talk about degrees and people thought it was an academic association, but it's not, it's about being able to start something and finish it. Yeah. And that, for me, it, that's a really good point. You know, it's not so much, you know, what they've done is, is what do they put into it and how long do they stick with it to get an outcome? Yeah. Uh, and they're the sort of things I'm looking at. You know, people are changing jobs, for what reason are they yeah. changing? Do they just think if they go to another company, they get a better commission model, they're going to make more money? Because yeah. those things don't happen. Um, it comes down to starting again yeah. and building it. And so you've got to stick with it. We just chat, chat here to Mark there, uh, your boss, about, uh, about uh, maybe some of your, your, your insightfulness. Uh, and, <laughs> And your, your ability to just call it, and uh, we were laughing because it was a there's a few there's a few years ago now, but uh, Charlotte when we started out was in was in Hayes, and uh, she was talking about joining Robert Walters, and you, she sat there and she was talking, and I was sitting there, and and you said just you, you don't want to do this, you don't want to be an agency recruiter, that this is not what you what you're supposed to do, like you're you're changing. It's not going to be any different here to there. It doesn't change. Yeah. To be honest, recruitment is recruitment. You've got a telephone, a computer, and you've got to go and meet people and find jobs. It doesn't, you know, big to small, you may have differences in terms of you know, the breadth of the role, things you can get involved in. You might work closer with the people that you know, have got years of experience that you can learn from. Um, but fundamentally, the job is the job. And you talk about what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for people to find another job. I'm looking for people to accept the job that they're in yeah. and just get good at that job. Um, because it hasn't changed in the 18 years I've been doing it. And you know, years ago, someone talked to me about um, the travel industry and how with all the technology now and how you can book online, mm. it's, you know, travel agents are gonna go bust and be non-existent. Now, there's nowhere near as many of them as there used to be. Yeah. But people, I personally prefer to walk into a travel agent and talk to somebody that's done the, yeah. the, the research, been out the results and can tell me where my wife and kids are gonna go because yeah. they've been there. If I book it online, I'm a little bit open to other people's opinion and or, you know, a bit of luck. So and I think the program is very similar, just goes back to, this is what we do, it's a face-to-face industry, find those people who value it and, and work with them. And so going with that rationale, if you were to look at the future of recruitment, technology will erode the bottom line, but the top end who make technology work for them and do make the effort to make the face-to-face interactions to do that there and everything else I, I honestly wish I was more, you know, um, technology savvy uh, in some ways. You know, I'm envious of people that use it, you know, as an everyday part of their life. I embrace things like LinkedIn, I've embraced uh, social media, mm. um, and I use it where I can. And, I, and I've worked at companies where they've been resistant to it. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, in my opinion, that's naive. Uh, yeah. The future of recruitment, the fundamentals won't change. You don't let emails and, and, and FaceTime and um, you know, those kind of things replace the need to go and meet people. Yeah. It can supplement it. But yeah, you, you know, too many people have, have allowed technology to stop them the basics of recruitment. And I think that will ultimately in the long term will be the downfall. What excites you about, uh, about what's happening here in London and where the business is moving forward in your career? You've got every industry um, available to the world in London, pretty much. You know, maybe not mining like the NWA, but you know, you've got big banking, you know, FMCG, retail, tech. Uh, there's so many booming SMEs, um, and not just within inside the M25, you've got know, access to places outside the M25. 
Um, there's a lot of exciting things going on. You know, I wouldn't say the market's booming, but at the same time, what I've walked into here at the moment is a lot of companies that are becoming a little bit slack um, with their, their, their customer service. Uh, the relationships don't seem as strong as I thought they would be. So there's a lot of opportunity for people, and, and job seekers, you know, whilst it's tough, mm. um, you know, good people are getting good. Uh, it's interesting. While while you're a UK recruiter, you're more of an Australian recruiter, really, in the way that you you approach things, in your style, and all the rest. Do you think maybe that's giving you a little bit of a point of difference in how you operate in, in, in this marketplace? Where, like, from what I can see, most people are quite transactional. Um, I think travel gives everybody something uh, in any field of career. The ability to, like, say, forge new relationships, face new markets, mm -hmm. um, you know, face distance, uh, distance from family, those kind of things. I think all of those, you know, maybe toughen the, the result. And when we talked about people's resilience and the willingness to, to get dirty and, and do yeah. the basic job, I, I think if you have travelled, it will help. Um, whether I'm an Aussie recruiter or a UK yeah. recruiter, I think you know, there's a nice blend for myself. Um, having seen different markets, too many people talk about things that haven't the experience. Yeah. Um, but what I have learned about it is wherever you go, again going back to it, the fundamentals are still the same. And you know, coming back to London, it's been refreshing to see that uh, it's not doom and gloom like everyone wants you to believe. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, things can still be done. When you were in Australia, did you have a different perception of the way the market is compared to what it is? Yeah, uh, I did. Because I, I, I was telling the that I mean, every part of it, you know, people, yeah. I hadn't come home in 13 years. And, and everyone you talk to that's been home or coming home, uh, coming over, is telling you how bad the weather is, how down the economy is, how bad the recruitment market is. Yeah. So you can't help it when you keep hearing the same things, you're going to believe it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I still remained impartial. I'll make my own decision when I get there. It'll be what I make it. Yeah. Um, and yes, okay, the weather's not as good as Australia in part, but it isn't bad, um, and the market's good. I so think, maybe I, it's just opinions. Yeah, I think the Australian market is every bit competitive, if not more so because the, the rates are lower. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody's your mate. Yeah. Yeah. Where like there's like a five percent differential in in rates between the UK and Australia. I, in fact. When we do recruitment in Australia, I actually find it easier in London a lot of the time than us. Well, one of the reasons that I used to source people from the UK is, is that the market here is tougher yeah. and is maybe slightly highly, more highly regarded yeah. as a profession. I think certainly in Australia the rates were lower, but then you know, the only people that you can relate to that are people in the industry of recruitment. They were allowing the rates to be pushed down. Yeah. And I don't understand why. I didn't work at companies where the rates were overly low. Yeah. Um, but coming back here, yeah, it's been a pleasant surprise that you know, the work I'm doing and the team that I'm managing are doing, they can you know, better rewarded. What, what I find with rates, it actually affords us to spend more time on less assignments. Sure. Than to spread ourselves too thin on multiple assignments to make the same money. So our clients are actually getting I believe a better service, more in depth, and solstice approach because the rate is more reflective. And you and I have talked about I'm gonna, I'm gonna for your service I'm, I'm and advice. <laughs> so I'll probably shot myself in the foot. Um, I'm going to record like this. This is the clip that's going to be. Yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is. I think you know the rates in the industry are reflective of the service you're getting. People don't mind paying for good service. Sure, and if you're going to go the extra mile for people, then yeah. then absolutely. Um, what advice for any young lads? who are starting their career in recruitment? Oh wow, um, I, I, the 
best advice I can give you is one, I was very fortunate to learn with a company that I learned with, it's a company called Parker Bridge, which unfortunately no longer exists under that name. And the training I got was, you know, at the time I thought bog standard, but yeah. it, as, as it's transpired, it was, it's, it was exceptional. Yeah. Um, the way that they took me through the basics and then they pushed me and, and, and you know, it basically made me the recruiter that I was and became. Um, I think that to the youngsters, I would just suggest finding the right company with the right mentor. Um, because ultimately, you're only going to become as good as the people that you work with. Um, and that's very hard to gauge when you're young. And yeah. You need to speak to people like yourself. I've had the benefit of meeting face to face with so many you know, recruitment owners and directors and entrepreneurs. Um, and, you, and they need to take that advice and they need to act on it. They can't just keep you know, going with brands and so Who's the best recruiter you've worked with? Why? Best recruiter yeah. um, that I've ever worked with was Ian Converse. Um, the guy built at levels, uh, you know, of a very high standard. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen somebody stuck to a phone as much as he is. You know, he, he, I was his boss, and I could be sitting there with a conversation, and he'd interrupt me to take a call from a candidate and cry. You're never going to object to it. But the guy is, he's, he's, you know, talking to the word relentless. He, yeah. Yeah, he sacrifices a lot um, to achieve what he's done, but he's got kids, family, you know, he, he still plays musical instruments, martial arts. You know, the guy copes extremely well. He's hands down the best recruiter. He's um, so very mentally strong. Yeah, I think he has to be to do what he does. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a few, I mean, John Colborn's very good, um, Andrew Sully, uh, never worked so, with So John, 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 I know from a client side more. And he's one of those people who, when people leave after speaking to him, whether he rates them or not, they love him. Mm. And again, he knows how to do that. That's a, that's a skill. Yeah. And, and he's very conscious about doing that. And have other clients who would hang up the phone on someone. Well, John, he trained also at the same company I trained at yeah. um, quite a few years afterwards. But uh, interesting, when we were in Perth, well, uh, they, you know, the directors there weren't convinced by him. Um, but I, I was adamant that if he's got 18 months, two years apart from British, then Christian, my mate Christian Furness was there at the time, he's actually a director in London. Yeah. So he's good. Um, and if someone I know says he's good, then he's good. And, and the guy... John's success is really all down to you? No, it's down to, it's down to his training. Yeah. It's down to his work ethic. But he does it very simply. You know, John, John will tell you himself that if this job was rocket science, neither he nor I would be any good at it. Um, but he's done really well on it. It won't be a short-term thing, it's success will last. And Andrew Sully's a very good storyteller. Had him on the podcast. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got an exciting business. And he's got a lot of stories he yeah. hasn't told you on the podcast. <laughs> 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 I know very well, but, uh, <laughs> so, so do you. <laughs> we all have our skeletons, my friend. He's a great example of, um, yeah. of, of people buying people. Yeah. People who work with Sunny Love. Uh, I missed I missed Oliver on the case. He's infectious. Yeah, he, he, he'd apply directly to so. him. Ah, there you go. And what he's doing down there at the moment is, uh, you know, it's, it's impressive. I saw his numbers the other day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, his ambition is still there. Yeah. And again, another guy that's had family and kids. So it just goes to show you, whilst we talk about sacrifice, you can still achieve great things uh, and find the balance. Dave, great to catch up. Always. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get part three on in the future. <laughs> Mate, it's all a pleasure. Thanks for watching. Well, a massive thank you to David Eyre for coming on the podcast. I've known Dave for around nine years now, and I've been tracking his journey ever since. And it takes a lot of guts to be able to leave behind your entire network 
and lifetime of work almost in Australia to move you and the family back to London and back yourself as a senior person to be able to go out there, win business, build teams, do it all again and enjoy it. And I think it's quite an inspirational story for anybody who has the guts to reinvent themselves when that time comes.